Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rural Leaders Podcast. My name is Richard Fordyce, along with my co-host, Dana Peterson, um, and we are here sharing um, great things that are happening across the landscape in rural America and hoping to inform, uh, advise, inspire, um, and then hopefully have our listeners engage in their local communities to make those rural communities uh, the best that they can be. Um, Dana and I, we've worked together, um, worked together in Washington, D.C. for USDA for a period of time. And um, both of us, I believe, are about as passionate uh, as you can, uh, if you have a passion, um, about as passionate as we can be about the things that are happening in rural America. And so that's why we're bringing this podcast um, to you. And Dana, what's going on in your world? Thanks, Richard. You know, this um, last week we had a little bit of a weather reprieve here in Kansas. And so um, we are soaking in about four inches of rain that came throughout the week and given a good refreshment to the crops, to the animals and to the people um, here in kind of north central Kansas. Uh, prior to that, we'd had a couple of weeks of 100 degree temperatures. And I know, you know, for guests like we had on our last episode, that's uh, pretty can be common in the West is um, the higher temperatures and dry, dry weather. So um, we are uh, getting through summer. People are preparing for um, school season. Of course, we had our primary in Kansas yesterday. And so there are a lot of things happening. Uh, but I'm excited for our guest today. Yeah, I am too. Um, and yeah, so I think we're the same way weather-wise. We we had just some, well, for Northwest Missouri, 100 degrees is brutally awful. Um, you know, I know it's been worse than that in other places. And I, and I also think, Dana, the older I get, the worse it is too. Because when I was younger... Uh, in the hay field, for example, I know we were picking up hay when it was almost 100 degrees. So I'm not sure why it seems to be such a bother now. But we have also had a reprieve. We've had um, we've had some rainfall here, and um, we too had our primary um, here. And I think, in by most uh, by most folks' um, uh, thoughts, I think uh, we we did okay. We had some candidates from from rural Missouri running in some important um, uh, in for some important roles that some were successful, some were not. And you know it's pretty hard to get everybody that you want um, in there. But um, anyway, we're, we're primary season is behind us. And I was just going to mention Dana, um, we're kind of in state fair season too. I know your all's fairs a little bit later, um, but there's a lot of a lot of state fairs that are happening are going to happen here like maybe tomorrow or the next day uh, across the Midwest and then, you know, other times throughout uh, the, the tail end of summer and, and just would encourage folks to take advantage of, of a state fair, right? It's uh, uh, in most state fairs, it's, it's rural focused, it's agriculture focused, and it really does a lot to promote um, young people and young leaders um, in, in whatever they're exhibiting and, and that leadership development that, that comes with being a part of a state fair. So anyway, just going to throw that in and because uh, we're headed to the Missouri State Fair next week. So um, and I know Kansas is coming up in September, I believe. Yeah, 
uh, I'm excited. My niece is going to be taking a, a commercial heifer to the state fair. So our, our family is definitely proud. And you highlighted several reasons while we're doing this podcast, Richard. We want more rural leaders to run for office. We want more rural leaders in 4-H and, and FFA and all of those important clubs and activities in our rural communities that give that quality of life that's so important to rural America. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are going to have with us uh, Betty Brand today. Betty is joining us from Virginia, where she's returned home to to start um, as CEO and founder of Strategic Consulting, LLC. Uh, Betty worked with us in Washington, D.C., and I'm thrilled that we'll have her with us uh, today to talk about her leadership experiences and all that she's doing for world leaders. So we'll be right back with Betty. When I was in foster care, I never knew when I would have to move. So I always had my suitcase ready to go. Then one day I was adopted. My new parents opened their hearts and home to me. My parents cooked my favorite breakfast for me every morning. My parents take me on trips I never thought I would go on. They gave me a home and an even better reason to use that suitcase. My parents aren't perfect, but they're perfect for me. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. Welcome back, everyone, to the Rural Leaders Podcast, where we highlight leaders from across rural America, sharing seeds of inspiration and equipping leaders to act in their rural communities. We are thrilled to have with us our friend Betty Brand from Strategic Consulting LLC in Virginia, where Betty is working with rural businesses, rural communities, and agribusinesses helping them access capital and other resources for their community and, and their company. So Betty, it's great to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Betty, in your work, um, you've been helping rural communities and leaders access capital. And you were telling me a little bit about um, some Native American farmers and ranchers that you were assisting. Can you kind of just tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and, and how you've been helping that particular group? Certainly, certainly. The, so, you know, um, lending or credit needs in Native American on tribal lands is difficult. It's a little bit more complicated than your traditional credits. The land ownership is different and there are different rules. And, you know, there's seven, 570 some tribes and that means there are that many sovereign nations and rules and regulations. So. I'm working, one of my clients is a, a national Native American organization, and we're working to um, participate in um, loans with Native American lending organizations. When I say participate, we're looking to set up this organization to actually purchase some of their loans. And then that, with that money, they're able to go back out and lend that out to their um, additional people. So it helps them get extra capital to provide to lend to Native American farmers and ranchers. 
Well, my time at, uh, at the Farm Service Agency, Betty, um, you know, we had uh, uh, we had the we had the credit program there and, and worked with a lot of a lot of Native American borrowers. And, you know, in some cases you, you bring up a great point. It, it is different. It is because of the ownership, um, you know, the tribe owns the land and maybe the individual producer or whatnot, you know, doesn't. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be can be a little problematic. So we want to talk about a lot of things, uh, a lot of topics with you in our in our time we have together. And, you know, one of the things that I really valued from our time together in Washington was your ability to identify characteristics that that good leaders have. Um, so whether that's, you know, a good leader within when we were at USDA or, uh, you know, effective good leaders in rural America. What what are some of the things that you look at and say, oh, that is a really good leader? Well, you know, I think there are there are many talents that people have and that can contribute to their leadership style and and depending on their group, maybe would make them more effective. But overall, I think one of the, the first things that really make a good leader is their ability, their authenticity. You know, they're they're passionate and they are. You know that when they say something, they're being genuine and that their intentions are for the benefit of the group, the community, whatever that they're working in. The other thing that, that we really learned at USDA and working with many customers is the ability to collaborate. Very rarely can somebody do something by themselves, either as an organization or as an individual. And there's always um, people that can help make a contribution, whether it be uh, resources or information or motivation or positive feedback or whatever. So certainly a leader should be able to collaborate. And that means um, when you're collaborating, you're listening to people and you're really being inclusive to everyone. Um, and, and, and everyone, I think a, a true leader needs to have a vision, be visionary and be able to explain that to others and, and really maybe light that fire over everyone so that they're unified in that vision. And then once you've, you've given them that vision, empower people to do what they do best. And, and people have so many talents and really will surprise you if they have the ability and the power um, given to them to get something accomplished. Well, Betty, after working with you at USDA, I'd have to say that you are a leader that exemplifies all of those. Um, and oh, I know you, you and I, <laughs> you have, you and I have had a lot of discussions about empowering women and really helping women out in rural communities, but also um, in agriculture as well. And, you know, as someone who spent a number of years, shall we say, in, in the farm credit system and working with all different types of community organizations and companies and agribusinesses. Have there been some um, tools or resources that have come up for you as a leader or for the leaders that you've worked with that you'd like to share? Sure, sure. I. Um... I probably don't have the exclusive on, on the tools that needed, but I've always found that asking questions, you know, it's much easier to come into a group or to try to assess the situation by asking questions instead of saying, I think, you know, and, and then proceeding to 
put your your ideas over everyone else's. So you can find a lot, especially if they're open-ended questions. Sometimes you might find out more than you anticipated, but certainly um, asking questions and dividing the workload. Like we talked about earlier, everyone has talents and um, doing some sort of inventory assessment of all the the talents that you have and figuring out how to, I think a good leader then Mm -hmm. can figure out how to best utilize those talents. And um, I've always said that multiple brains are much better than one. And if you um, don't try to shoulder all the responsibility, there's no one that has all the answers to something that, that oftentimes when you have the perspective of others, the correct decision or the best decision will be made in the end. And, you know, when people feel valued and that they really can contribute because they they feel like, you know, what they're how they can contribute and you encourage them, then you're never disappointed by them. They always step up and exceed expectations. Well, Betty, working alongside you in rural utility service, I have to say that you were a great example of all of those. And I know that I always felt valued. Um, by your leadership and how inclusive you were. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. It was a great group to work (laughs) with. It was fun. Yeah. So Betty, I know if we think about rural communities across this, this country, um, you know, there are a lot of great things that are happening, whether, you know, whether that's a, you know, some sort of a dynamic activity that's happening, um, you, uh, you know, a population growth, um, you know, folks in that community or that region of, of, the, of, of the country in rural America have either identified something or um, have invented something that attracts people and, and it, and it um, really magnifies what's happening in that, in that local community. And I know whether your time with the farm credit system or uh, rural development, could you give us an example, maybe one or two um, of maybe not a specific project or, or something specific that was going on, but really what does a community that does rural leadership really well? You know, um, I really had the good fortune of getting to drive, to be in parts of the country to see a lot of the projects that rural development worked with and, and um, provided funding and, or some sort of resources. And so you, I mean, it was across the country, the, the way that people would come together. But there are a couple that do come to mind. There's one in particular, um, there were actually two small towns in the middle of Michigan that are located, both towns were located along a river. And there was, um, there were two privately owned dams along that river. And it was a, a, a privately owned, but they provided um, electricity for surrounding areas. And um, unfortunately, those dams failed and it caused significant flooding in both of those towns and on downstream. And then it, but the other thing that it did is it wiped out this beautiful waterfront um, scenery that was basically the, the center of both of those towns and all the homes, all the valuable, beautiful homes that were on that waterfront. And, you know, there's a, a number of ways that, that communities could react. But in these, I was especially impressed with their ability to, um, there were, there was one individual in both of the, um, towns. One was actually in a leadership role formally as a, 
a member of the town um, planning or the town leadership. But another one was an individual that stepped up and they they worked together and solidified what their community um, needed and how, what was important to them and what to rebuild. But then they didn't stop there. They collaborated. They, the towns are probably 30, 45 minutes apart. And they, and, and oftentimes it's easy not to take the time to, to work with other communities, but they shared resources, shared ideas, and they complemented each other. And so they took what was a disaster and not just to the town and their, the whole, um, economic structure of the town, but also to their property owners. People's real estate was ruined and, um, and which can affect real estate taxes. So it really had a domino effect, but they took that opportunity and took the time to envision, well, what we kind of have a blank slate. What do we want to look like? And they, so they took that disaster and turned it into a really unique opportunity to re-envision what those towns would look like, what they wanted to emphasize. Um, it was always community. And when we visited, um, because rural development had a small part in helping them recover from that, but, but it was really the hard work. And you saw this little, one block Main Street being rebuilt and small businesses coming in and people that hadn't even thought about starting a business now saw that opportunity and got excited with what was going on and, and wanted to be a part of it. So in the end, they're still working on it. It'll take a while, but they all had the same vision and work together. Um, it's, it's like these, you know, Sometimes you see these TV shows about some small town and it seems so quaint and cute. Well, in, in this regard, both of these towns really turned out to live up to that image. That's wonderful. You know, Richard, that kind of reminds me of some of our previous discussions where we've talked about towns that may be down the road from one another and who are, um, you know, high school sports competitors. And yeah. um, sometimes that competition gets into other areas of life and the economy or whatever it's economic development mm -hmm. or, or agricultural production. And that's a really amazing story of two neighboring towns that maybe got over the competition to get to collaboration mm -hmm. and envisioning what the, what the future could hold. It, I think, that's, really, exa I think really that's exactly it. right. Um, you know, and we, t we have talked about that, right? So we know in a lot of these rural communities, there has to be collaboration except for seven o'clock on Friday night when the football teams play <laughs> each other. Yeah, exactly. Betty, I know Betty <laughs> likes football. I have three boys and they went all the way through that football um, and at one point we were doing JV on Thursday and high school on Friday and college on Saturday. So I got my fill of football. That's right. <laughs> and you're exactly right. But, you know, the, the rivalry is pretty, pretty serious. But at yep. the end of the day, there's so much more in common than there is um, in the competition. Mm -hmm. I'm finding that coming back to my hometown in Kansas is that we have very similar problems from one town yeah. 30 miles down the road to the next one 30 miles down the road to the next one and so um you know in some of these challenges we can learn from one another we can mm -hmm. pool resources we can um, actually look at 
combining our small projects into larger projects that might be attractive to funding or might be attractive mm-hmm. to investors. And so I think that's really something that I'd love to see spread around. Um, as we think about this collaboration piece, um, you mentioned several of the kind of skills that are needed. Um, and I'd like to maybe dig into the, the listening skill. As you, Betty, have worked with people with getting capital and financing, um, what are some of those listening skills that maybe people um, maybe struggle with or, or really excel with? I think it's, I think it's really easy to um, anticipate what the question is going to be. And you don't really mm-hmm. listen to the question because you're already preparing your answer. I mean, being on this show is a real challenge. You know, I have to make sure I'm listening to what you're asking me so that I can share that in a, in a meaningful way. And so kind of taking a deep breath and waiting to hear. Um, another thing is, uh, you know, is in, in this day and age, uh, rural communities used to be everybody was related. You were all from the maybe born there, stayed there, came back there. And and I'm finding many communities, the rural community that I grew up in, um, they have a lake now. And so a lot of people from the outside are coming in and and listening, I think, is still important. But sometimes if you come from New Jersey and you move to Southwest Virginia, You may not you may be listening, but you're not hearing the same thing because you don't understand the local, the colloquial um, conversation. And so um, not being offended, but just asking those questions again and asking them to Mm -hmm. repeat or say, I understand this. This is what this means. Is that what you meant to say? And uh, so the listening part is is an exercise that 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 everyone has to train themselves and practice on. I always told my boys, um, communication doesn't mean it just comes out your mouth. It has to be absorbed in in an understandable way for the person on the other side. And so it's definitely a two-way street. It absolutely is. And I think one of the reasons that some people don't listen to me is my questions end up being too long, right, Dana? Um, but, <laughs> no, um, but I, but I want, so, so I know there are, there are amazing things happening across rural America. And we were, we were witness to some of those things while we were, you know, together at USDA, but I, but I also, you know, read the news, you know, just, um, you know, digesting information that's happening around the country. And, you know, the, the very important component of infrastructure, that brings our rural communities more together with our city cousins and more competitive with our city cousins, um, I think is critically important. So, so based on your time at USDA, rural development and, you know, through the farm credit system, knowing, so, so I'm setting this one on a T for you, Betty, knowing what is happening across rural America What's your prediction for um, for the things that are going to be happening, um, you know, in the future in rural America? I can't help but be optimistic. 
I know we have challenges. I've always said that communities, people that grow up in rural America have more ingenuity and resiliency than any group of people I've known, and they will make it work. There, um, You cannot spend a little bit of time in our Blue Ridge Mountains and not be inspired. And in spite of the, the worst days or in spite of the news and all those things, there's just so many positive things to look forward to. And um, we will get we will make it work. The communities will. They're hard workers. They're dedicated. Um, the challenges just make people a little bit tougher and they get smarter all the time. We have resources to use. And I think that building that team together and working together is going to be much more important than it is trying to tear each other down or competing or um, being sensitive about what somebody says. It, the together part is much more important. I, I think so. Uh, I, I completely agree with that. And I knew that's, I was hoping that's the way you'd answer that question. So I have kind of a, a very quick follow-up. If if our listeners are in a are in a situation in a rural community where there's either a need for something to happen or maybe there's a movement and things are starting to happen, but they've come to a roadblock, maybe frustration has set in. What would be just a quick word of advice for those rural leaders that are trying to either impact something happening in their rural community um, or maybe have initiated something and it's kind of come to a, come to a stop? I think you, you kind of have to have a home base. You come back to what is it that I love about this community? And it's generally something that is universally loved. And then build on that and, and keep people focused on, I call it, bring them back to home. And um, that way it, it, it may not be easy, but but having that conversation and always say, well, how does that reinforce what we so much love about this community? It could be the, the lake that it's operated on. It could be the, the production agriculture, the farm stands, uh, the mountain hiking. Any of those things are all and everybody can get behind that. And, and remembering what you love instead of your own individual. But I wanted to do this or I wanted to do that. That's great advice, Betty. And if anyone who's listening today would like to get in contact you uh, with you for some coaching or your advice on anything, how could they do that? Certainly, they can email me at Betty, and it's B-E-T-T-E dot brand, B-R-A-N-D at Cox, C-O-X dot net. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Betty Brand. And my company, Strategic Consulting, is also on LinkedIn. And my, um, I gave my personal email address. I have a business email, and it's Betty at strategicconsultingusa.com. Great, great. Well, thank you for being with us today, Betty. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your leadership expertise with us. Well, it's been great. Thanks, thank Betty. you for having me. Bye-bye. Yeah. Feel the beat of nature at a park or forest near you. Find a forest and music inspired by nature at discovertheforest.org.
Welcome back to the Rural Leaders Podcast, where we just uh, had a great discussion with Betty Brand. Um, you know, Richard, I really enjoyed working with Betty at, at USDA, and she um, she really had the opportunity to help uh, bring some peace and wisdom and really great insight into a lot of the things that we did. And I know, um, you know, bringing her into this community and into our podcast definitely will help um, spread that, that goodwill. Um, you know, one of the things that I was not surprised, but pleasantly um, joyous with is the collaboration piece that came back up in our conversation today. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, we that's kind of been a theme um, It was some of our guests about you can't do this by yourself. You can't do this as an individual by yourself or even as a singular organization. Um, it's just um, the collaboration piece um, really, really needs to be a part of that. And I, I, would, I just want to back up just a minute just to um, say something about Betty. You know, Betty and I never worked directly together um, at USDA, and USDA is a pretty large organization. Um, but we met at some something within the within the building, and it's it's really amazing because you know a lot of dynamic leaders at USDA during our time there, and folks just gravitated to her. And I remember we did something at Farm Service Agency, and I don't remember what it was, but it was a big lift, and we got it finished, and we actually got some positive press about it. And Betty wrote me a handwritten note saying, congratulations, yes. you know, you got this done. And um, I don't know, it's just, it was great to see her today and great to hear uh, her perspective on what rural leadership looks like. But but you are, and and, and I, I was thinking the same thing about, about the collaborative spirit, that, that that is what it's going to take um, for those success stories in rural America. Yeah, and I'm glad we got to dig in a little bit to those listening skills that really help us, you know, stay present to the conversations that we're in, not try to get ahead of the conversation or ahead of the person that's in it with us, but very present, very aware, and um, building a relationship over time as an uh, as opposed to maybe a transaction um, for a certain purpose. So that was really great to to learn from Betty, who has lots of experience in leadership and and uh, with leaders across the country. Yeah, I I think um, and again, you said something that I just I just listened and I just heard it. Um, you said listening um, and. The 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 result may not happen overnight. It may not be immediate, but continue to listen and continue to 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 listen and to hear what people are saying. I think that's very important. Yeah, and we want to listen um, to those who are listening to us. So those of you who are out there, if you have any feedback on our podcast, you have suggestions of guests that we should have on it, please get a hold of us. Uh, you can email me at Dana at the Rural Leaders Podcast or Richard 
at the rural leaders, Richard at the rural leaders podcast.com as well. So we will be back with another great rural leader um, on our next episode. See everyone then. 